Welcome to the Creativity Reflections podcast, a podcast all about your creative expression. I'm your host, Hannah Fitzgibbon, creativity coach, and I'm here to help unblock your creativity. In choosing a creative life, many of us are motivated by the idea of freedom. We don't want to go down the standard career route, answering to the man. We want to feel free, free to be ourselves, free to do meaningful and personal work and free to choose. We think that a certain figure in the bank account or a certain type of booking will free us from uncertainty and doubt. Then we'll really be free. But honestly, there are many artists who've made it that far and still feel chained and obligated. They become afraid of experimenting for fear of turning off their collectors and losing the money. They tie their worth to the prestige of their bookings, but as things change through age or trends or fortune, this becomes treacherous footing and they still don't feel free. In order to have true freedom, we need to be free first. Here's how I think of it. I define freedom by... That moment when you stop rationalizing your circumstances and change the lens through which you see the world instead. Freedom comes from within you, your empowerment to choose. Here's a story that will really make this concept come to life. In Paul Colhell's The Alchemist, our young hero finds himself lost in an empty marketplace far from home with all his money stolen and he realizes he faces a choice. He can think of himself as a victim of a thief or as an adventurer seeking his treasure. I'm an adventurer seeking my treasure, he says. If he rationalised his circumstances, he would have drawn the very reasonable conclusion that he is a victim of a thief. Many of us would do the same. It's a logical conclusion. The evidence points to this meaning. He was robbed while he was distracted for a moment. But this realisation isn't empowering. Being a victim is about as powerless an identity as there is. He would have felt heavy, even more lost with what to do next, utterly hopeless. From these feelings, he would have sat down and cried in desperation. Perhaps he did this anyway. Then he would have procrastinated by sitting still and hoping someone, anyone, would come and save him or help him, the poor victim. I imagine this powerless state as a grayscale filter. You're seeing the world in desaturated tones of black and white, right and wrong, good and bad, winning or losing. When our hero made the choice to see himself as an adventurer seeking his treasure, it's like he changed his lens. Instead of the grayscale filter, he was seeing the world in full colour. No longer binary, the world is full of options and possibility he couldn't see before. This is an empowered perspective. Would an adventurer sit here and wallow? No way! They would get out of there and find something else. He starts walking around the town and eventually finds himself at a glassblower's shop on the top of a hill where he makes himself useful and gets himself a job. By changing his perspective of his existing circumstances, he was able to walk out of them and literally find a new vantage point. 
We all find ourselves in circumstances outside of our control at some point along our journey, disillusioned and scared. Sometimes we think if things would just change, if I had more money or better connections or a more refined talent or better skin, then I would finally be free and empowered and happy. It really works the other way around. In circumstances outside of your control, you need to turn your focus inward. Question the meanings and rationalizations you're drawing. Ask, is that really true for everyone all the time? Find a new perspective that feels better, lighter, and more open. You'll discover that there are many truthful perspectives of single circumstances. In the process of changing your inner lens, your existing circumstances will look completely different and you'll be able to notice a way out that you couldn't see before. You will be empowered to take action and make the best of where you are. You are creative, resourceful, and whole. Choose to see yourself in the best light. I will say, however, rationalizing our experiences and circumstances is completely normal, by the way. Our brains are meaning-making machines. This will happen automatically. There's nothing wrong with you if you find yourself feeling desperate, angry, powerless, or depressed. These feelings are clues. When you become aware of them, it's telling you there's a new way of looking at things. A new lens is possible. You'll know you've found it because you will feel relief, not joy or happiness, but relief from those heavy emotions. As we look deeper at this story, we start to see the circumstances don't matter. It's the way we perceive the circumstances and the limitations we place on ourselves that matter. We can choose a limiting perspective or we can choose an empowering perspective. In theory, this idea is really simple. If it were that easy, why aren't we all seeing the positive in every situation? And we've all heard of the risk of wearing rose-coloured glasses, right? What if I make bad choices because I'm too trusting and too naive to realise the hard knocks reality? There are so many layers to transformation and new excuses at every level. Upgrading your perspective is a way of thinking that can become a habit. And the effort is worth it. Every opportunity, every lucky break and good feeling lies on the other side of this transformation. I acknowledge it isn't always a natural shift. To help, I'm going to address some of the common things that can get in the way so that you have practical strategies and meaningful ways forward. Firstly, we carry an attachment to our old identities and patterns, partly because they've served us well before by keeping us safe, and they're benefiting us now somehow. These are called secondary benefits. Releasing our attachment can make us feel vulnerable and exposed. We worry about having nothing there that is even more uncertain, and so we fill it with doubt. It can come with a grieving process to let go of attachments to old identities and patterns. We wish change could just be about getting more. We don't really like letting go of things. The solution. Consider the identity or belief or thing we're attached to. You know you're attached to it if you're giving your attention to it ruminating on a thought, feeling worried about it, or overly possessive. Step two, journal some thoughts about what you're getting as a result of this. Maybe it's keeping you safe somehow. Maybe it's validating some past experience or trauma. Maybe it's feeling familiar, and so you have confidence in it. For example, doubt feels more familiar than the uncertainty of space and openness. Even if space and openness carries the potential to bring something better along. Step three, journal some of your thoughts about what it's costing you to keep it. 
What are you missing out on as a result of this attachment? Finally, step four, journal some thoughts on what you stand to gain if you release this and put your attention on something more empowering. By looking at this cost-benefit analysis, it sort of shakes loose the tethers that are attaching us to this identity, really puts them into question and helps us choose a more empowering perspective, a more empowering belief and identity that can allow the space we've opened up to fill with good, positive options forward rather than automatically flooding it with doubt. Another thing that gets in the way is that letting go and surrendering to the flow takes courage and feels risky. We really like to control things. The solution. Step one. Really, the only thing we have control over is our internal experience. It's helpful to think of our external experience as a mirror reflecting our internal perspective. Because honestly, it is. Also, that helps us to see what we're attaching to and what we're hanging on to when we have something objective outside of ourselves to look at. It's really hard to see the stuff inside ourselves sometimes. Our brain is a filtering out device. There's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system, or RAS for short, that decides what we pay attention to and what incoming information to prioritize. It really is like stripping the color out of the lens and applying a grayscale filter. Our senses take in millions of bits of information per second and our RAS reduces this to five to nine bits of information, what it deems the most important. Solutions were often there all along, but we've been tuning them out. So step two, most of us have a negativity bias. It means we're paying more attention to the negative things, and potentially negative things, risks, pain, mistakes, judgment. And when we pay attention to these things and learn the conditions in which they are likely, we're able to keep ourselves safe by avoiding them. But this gets misused in our modern world. We need to use our RAS to combat our negativity bias and set us up to see positive outcomes and positive solutions. Step three, practice gratitude. This is how we program our RAS to pay attention to the things we like and the things that are working. Then we start to see more of it in our existence. We literally do. It's not that it wasn't there before. It's just that we didn't notice because we tuned it out. Lastly, You can also program your brain by asking better questions. I used to always ask, what's wrong with me? And I received a lot of validation about what was wrong with me. You can imagine how unhelpful that question was. Now I ask, what if it's all going well? And I get evidence of the ways it's working. One final thing that gets in the way of us upgrading our perspective and seeing our circumstances differently so that we can move forward is that it's not about thinking positive, ignoring and bottling heavy emotions and thinking the best of things. This isn't about just slapping a happy face on it. Step one, feel your emotions and release them. Cry, stamp your feet, journal your feelings, then release the attachment to them and choose to think thoughts that feel better. Keep trying until you feel relief. The important thing is we're not judging ourselves and beating ourselves up and creating more heavier emotions. That's how you can tell if you're going the wrong way with feeling your emotions. If it starts to feel heavier and heavier, we're digging down into our emotions and not releasing them. If it feels lighter and of relief, then we're going in the right direction. Step two, you're not likely to go from powerless and upset to joy and stoked right away. It is a spectrum. You're more likely to feel neutral emotions first, like boredom or contentment. 
Think of it like moving from a negative 10 on the emotional scale through zero to a positive 10. We're so used to binary thinking, good and bad, but the truth is there's scarcity, then enough, then abundance. Practice some self-compassion and allow I have enough, I am enough to be okay for now. Abundance, joy and clarity will come later. These are my thoughts on how to achieve a state of being free first before you have things that give you freedom of choice. You always have the choice to choose and the circumstances and evidence in your reality will show up when you start priming your reticular activating system to work on your behalf and build a positive bias so you trust that things are working out for you. That is a much more motivating and empowering belief to help you move forward in creative uncertainty. Thank you for listening to the Creativity Reflections podcast. If you would like to invest in your creativity and magnify your voice and overcome some of those blocks that are keeping you stuck, check out my website, creativityreflector.com.